Welcome to the Fan Education Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be discussing how to make more money. Now, money isn't a massive problem and a desire. I absolutely get this, and it's one of the biggest things um, in the freelance and creative industry that people talk about all the time. And I understand why people are kind of upset and they want to charge more and, and um, they feel they're always being screwed by clients. I am, I absolutely get that. Um, the reality is that we need to probably change our relationship with money. Um, this is very often nothing to do with clients or budgets because I've been both sides of the table and it doesn't matter how great the proposal I'm given is, I have a strict budget available and like I said, if I can't afford you, I can't afford you and no amount of verbal linguistics or jujitsu is going to convince me that it's, it's worth otherwise. So quite often when you have these objections, it's not a problem. You know, this is just the, the way of business and we accept it all the time. But the reality is, as a creative freelancer, you need to be sort of always charging a little bit more with every job. Because if you don't have the mindset of trying to increase your rates, the trouble is you're going to hit a fairly low ceiling and you're not going to move beyond the type of clients that are comfortable paying more for what you do. So clearly, you have to be good enough to charge what you do. You have to be constantly developing and improving. And the flip side of that is you need to be constantly finding new clients because when you do move into other markets and other social groups where there are more affluent clients available and they're happy to accept your new rates without any pushback, it reaffirms the quality you're delivering. It gives you a lot more belief. And I think this is sometimes the mindset around money and kind of, well, I'll just accept what they can afford or I'll just take the job because I need the money. That's a massive concern. So with this episode... I didn't want to necessarily get into how to do it as in like how to change your relationship with money and what you do. This is a very kind of much more, this is a business type episode where I'm going to say to you, here are some really small but really impactful ways that you can make more money that won't take much to change in your business and won't get much pushback from clients. But we don't think to do it because like I said, unless someone shows you, you're not going to think this. And this is, well, it reminds me actually of when I first came across this kind of thinking. I was sat, I've been asked by my uh, bank manager to attend a networking kind of business session at the Queen's Hotel in Penzance. I owned a hotel, so I was like, well, I'll take the morning off and, and go down there and see what it's like. And I sat in a room and I was like, okay, who are all these people? It's all whole different types of businesses. And at the front was this uh, quite intense, dynamic man called John McCarthy. And he was quizzing us all about our businesses and uh, what we did. And and I soon realised that I didn't know anything about business. And I'm talking not just like terminology, but I'd somehow been able to kind of run a business, which was at that stage, I'd run my kind of freelance business and I was running a hotel and a restaurant and I was running them all fine, um, or so I thought, but it was this thing of, I just was sort of sleepwalking when I was doing it. So I just did the same things. I kept doing what was working. I never objectively stood back and kind of worked out how could we improve it. And what really blew me away was not only was I how out of my depth I was, and look, it was that thing of I was pleased I went because I didn't want to go. It's so much easier to kind of go, look, I'm busy and, and say no to these things. But having gone, my bank manager was right. 
Um, I needed to learn more about business and finance. And although I took business studies at A-level, it bored the hell out of me, which is probably why I got a D, you know. So I, I'm no, by all, by any means, I, this, this was where I didn't know what I was doing, but this was probably the first day that I actually began to pay attention to business. And a lot of that was to do with um, John McCarthy because he was so good at not only kind of explaining business, but getting me to think about it in a in a very different way. So what he did, and you have to understand that like a bit about John McCarthy, John McCarthy is, I would say he's like a, he's an ex-Marine surfing energizer bunny of a man, just intense. If you look at him on social media, he is like a kind of, uh, West Country David Goggins like he's always out jogging running relentless but what you get with him is this intensity and kind of accountability he I worked with him as a business coach for a long time and he wouldn't let me wriggle out of stuff and he would push me to know my numbers know my cash flow what have you got planned what are you doing and although like look I was probably a nightmare to coach because I wasn't very good at all that kind of stuff but I tried um he massively helped my business because it kind of made me think totally differently about what I was doing. And it allowed me to step back and be a bit more analytical about my business. And so this was the bit that blew my mind and opened my mind into how to do it. And he had this thing, which he called the five ways. And it was this way of just by adjusting little sort of marginal gains in your business can make a massive knock on effect. And when you do the figures, it's like, you don't believe it. It, it. It's this kind of now, this is a trick. Come on, let's. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. And I did it several times with different businesses, different figures. And each time I was like, so if you made, let's say, a hundred grand a year, after you've done all these little changes, you're now making 160 grand a year. And you're like, I don't get it. How can I make small 10% changes here and there? Yet I'm making an absolute load. So I will go through kind of the maths on it and I'll share the the kind of formulas he was talking, but it came down to these are the main areas where you can adjust and make more money. So the the main areas he was focusing on was firstly, increasing the number of leads that are coming into your business, which is, you know, inquiries to work with you, increasing the conversion rate of those leads. So turning more people who inquire about you into actual customers um, increasing the number of sales, so the number of times that those customers buy from you on average in a year, increasing the average price of that sale, increasing the margin on each of those sales. So if it's like uh, 50-50, it's like 50% cost, 50% profit. You want to maybe get that to like 55% profit and 45% cost, so increase the margin. Then you want to put all that together and that was how he did his magic formula. I would probably add to that. You want to probably increase the number of referrals you're asking and getting. You want to increase the number of services you offer. You want to also be kind of increasing the opportunity to upsell your client to different services and new things. So with all those bits of bobs together, that all um, was phenomenal. And the thing is, when you do this and you start to tweak all those numbers, the compounding effect is astonishing and it makes such a massive difference. Because let's face it, the problem is that most people have a hard time asking you know, for money, but we don't have a hard time paying for things that are more expensive. And with inflation, if we don't increase our prices to at least match inflation, 
we're going to be losing out and that's something out of our control and the reason is you know we're scared that our clients are going to say no they're going to refuse or we're not going to get clients um, we're going to struggle and then we're all going to start sliding backwards but I have to say a lot of this is mainly in our own heads it's not often true because most of the time our clients are in business as well they understand about inflation about the how costs of everything is going up and they themselves are putting up their prices in their own business you don't probably notice it because you're not a client of theirs so this ability to kind of overcome these kind of uh, fears in our mind is massive because if we don't you'll soon develop that scarcity mindset and it's going to affect both your professional life but then your personal life as well because the more you worry about money the more it eats into your your habits your moods and that can destroy your relationships you're always in a bad mood you can get depressed it can get very bad so what I wanted to do is I wanted to try and go look don't don't panic try implementing these little things in what you do and see what the effect is because it doesn't need to be drastic it's just these minor changes like I said when combined they have a massive impact and if you do this like deliberately year on year on year you're going to stay well ahead of the curve when it comes to like costs and inflation but actually you're going to become more and more profitable because you're focusing on making little differences that really as they say that they really move the needle in your business so the first thing we need to discuss is how to increase leads so leads which is a rather technical term is basically potential customers they're people who are interested in what you do and possibly want to work with you but haven't made their mind up yet. Um, they've usually sent an email, left a message or signed up for a guide on your website and it's our job to contact them and try and get them into a position where we can convince them to buy from us or work with us. Typically, you know, the way you're going to increase leads is awareness. So you're going to have to kind of make sure that more people are aware of you and you're going to have a system in place to make sure you capture their interest. So this is why you see so many kind of adverts for Facebook ads that lead into sales funnels where you can download a guide or a lead magnet and then you submit your email, then they email you and they message you a load of stuff. And, and whether you like that or not, this is a typical kind of approach. And I think it works if, if, if done well and kind of if what you're offering is of genuinely good value. Um, the problem being is, you know, uh, for me, sometimes marketing like that is a bit like kryptonite because it's kind of quite boring and metric driven. But I definitely know it works. And it's like I said, the, the advantage is if you set up a good sales funnel and you run Facebook ads that convert, you can actually pretty much nail your kind of ROI, your return on that investment of Facebook ads. Um, you know, so the, the main thing is, if you want to increase leads, this is what you need to do. The first thing is, Increase your advertising and marketing so that you are seen and known by more people. <clears throat> Knowing who your idle customer is and where they pay attention is helpful. Uh, and then running more ads or doing some sort of promotion or however you feel. I mean, whatever it is, you need to be doing more of it if you're going to increase the leads. That's the reality because the more we test and measure and the more markets and profiles we try, the chances are this is going to be fertile ground because it's people that haven't heard about us yet and they might need what we offer. The next thing is you need to know where those leads are coming from. So like the first bit, if you're marketing and it's not working, stop. And if you're marketing and it is, keep going. And really this is the, again, thing of 
refining your process down so that the conversion factor is the most. So like I said, people will see your ad or your article or whatever it might be. You want to make it easy for them to contact you. And so when they do, they will. And then you need to work out, okay, so where is that coming from? Because if you've got a particularly well-performing article on a website that you, you know, your client loves, then you probably might want to do more of those and, and see how you go. So that's the second bit. Know where your leads are coming from. Um, ask for referrals. This is always a useful strategy and we'll kind of go into that a little bit later. But generally, yes, if you're asking for more referrals, you're more likely to get them, which means you're more likely to get leads in. And these leads, they would be go from they wouldn't be cold, which is people that don't know you. They would be very warm because you would be endorsed and recommended. So uh, in sales speak, warmer leads are much easier to convert because they're kind of inclined to work with you anyway. Um, you need to go networking in influential circles. So again, this is kind of marketing and awareness and it is referrals, in fact, but getting to know people in, in you know, influential people in the right circles and actually changing up those circles or where you network is important. This doesn't have to be physical. It can be joining new Facebook groups and LinkedIn groups. Uh, it can be writing articles, going on podcasts. But generally what we're trying to do here is the first bit, which is increase the awareness of who you are and then make the reason why you're talking compelling enough that people want to work with you. Do your own PR and win awards. I've put that there like it's easy. Like, yeah, just win awards. PR is expensive, but if done right, or if you do it yourself, I know that there's a really good book called Hype Yourself by Lucy Werner, which is great for kind of DIY PR for small businesses. Follow what she says. She's a genius at this. And that will, you know, make a big impact because, again, you're starting to strategically think about how can I get seen uh, in places that are going to, you know, basically elevate my value perception in the eyes of my ideal client? And what can I be doing to demonstrate my thought leadership and expertise that's going to make them want to contact me? Articles and PR will do that. Awards will certainly do that. Um, so these are things to look at investing in. Create a lead magnet. This is sort of what I talked about when I said about the um, the, the sales funnel. This is where you're going to kind of have the thing that they want to download from you. Um, whatever that would be, that's where you need to do that. So creating lead magnets or gathering reports or doing white papers or um, mini courses, all of that stuff is massively important. And the more compelling it is, the more likely it is that people are going to sign up for it, which again is increasing your leads. So that would be kind of a very simple sales funnel, starting with advertising and marketing in the beginning and then a lead magnet at the end. And then obviously you want to follow up those people. And the final point would be to probably film videos explaining your expertise and not like, um, you know, let me tell you why you should be worshipping me because I am a brand god. No, it should be like, let me tell you how you can tweak what you do in your business to make more money effectively. If you know your audience well enough, you'll know the problems they're having. So just create videos helping them solve those problems. There is a really good book called They Ask, You Answer, which is talking about how a guy he became the Wikipedia for pools by doing exactly this. And actually, if you take that approach, then you're going to do the, you'll achieve the same thing, which is massively beneficial. So all of those things are going to be helpful um, because if we do all of that, we're increasing our awareness and increasing the likelihood of more leads coming into our business. And at the moment, we're only trying to do everything by 10%. So if you get 100 leads a year, you only want to get 110. 
And getting that extra 10% isn't hard, especially if you're doing all these extra things, because a lot of people I speak to, they're not doing enough of this. And so actually, when you start to do this, you'd be really pleasantly surprised how you can really increase the number of leads coming into your business. Second is increasing your conversion rate. So your conversion rate is effectively how good and how effective are you at turning potential customers into actual customers. It can be done in loads and loads of ways. Um, but the two, the easiest way to sort of categorize thing is like it's either done with you so that you talk to them or without you and you kind of use marketing material to convince them. So with you typically would be conversations either in person, over Zoom, uh, in the DMs or maybe doing a webinar where you can answer questions. But it's that thing of you are actively involved in convincing them to work with you and therefore improving your conversion rate. As I said before, we're trying to get to the stage where we want to do a 10% improvement. So if we think about, we let's say we had that 100 leads in our business and our conversion rate currently is 50%, which is really good. That's 50, 50 of those 100 people decided to work with us. Again, we're looking for a 10% increase. So we want to now get, instead of just 50, we want 55. So we only need an extra five people who are going to want to work with us. And that's going to make a massive difference. So um, the other section is obviously without you. And we kind of talked about that with sort of marketing. But this is where you're able to use things which are going to convert them for you. So things like offers, promotions, um, deliberately structured sales pages, testimonials, uh, video explanations, all of this um, is going to reassure people to buy from you. And if you want an example of this, look at any e-commerce websites, because anything that's e-commerce, that you don't have the luxury of being able to talk to every customer. So you've got to convince them to purchase something um, from you without them talking to you. So they will do that with usually very, very comprehensive descriptions, all the benefits, sales copy will sell it to you. There'll be videos, photos, so you can have a look at it. There'll be ratings and reviews and endorsements to make you convinced. And there'll be things like money back guarantees and, and all of that. And all of this reduces hesitancy. Um, so it's a case of like people are more likely to purchase without being kind of concerned. So how do we increase that conversion rate? To sum up, we want to address any reservations that your customers or clients might be having. So this is where if you are talking to them and they understand like any hesitancy they may be having, deal with that directly in the copy. Um, you know, explain how you understand their situation and try and put their mind at ease by offering solutions. Things like this would be like written guarantees. As I mentioned earlier, it's going to be like, if you're unhappy, you can return this in, within you know 30 days, full refund, no questions asked. Things like that often help. Before and after testimonials are very powerful because they illustrate the impact of whatever it is you're doing on them or their business. And that's really, really hard to kind of deny, especially if you've got lots of them that are credible and video ones are huge. Um, so I would absolutely recommend that. Um, you can add extra value. So what we're looking at here is how can we increase the conversion rate? And that might be to throw in bonuses. Uh, so it might be like buy this and get this bonus free if you buy now. Things like that are really common. I know that if I look at like one of my favorite stores is Retro Supply. Um, and he would say things like, oh, I'm selling a Photoshop file. But if you buy it now, we're also going to include textures and then a video tutorial and all these other bits and bobs that are extra. And you're kind of like, oh, fantastic. So I was going to probably buy it, but now I get all the bits and bobs I need that are the collateral around it for the complete package. 
yeah, I'm definitely buying it now. And he'll know that just by including a couple of little extras, which, to be honest, once recorded and edited and uploaded, he's done his job. But if that doubles the conversion rate or increases it, then that was you know time well spent. Displaying awards and certificates, particularly awards that you or your product or service has won, again, is going to add more kind of reassurance and trust into the minds of your consumers. So this is another good thing to consider when you're um, listing your products or your services. You know, it's fine to talk about your awards and what you've done, but it's even more powerful to talk about the impact of your work and the awards that your customers have won possibly for using it. And then the final thing would be to offer kind of payment plans or some sort of finance plan. So if you're selling a course and it's $1,000, um, paying $1,000 up front is going to be pretty tough for a lot of people. So you could say, look, pay me $100 a month for a year and then you can enjoy the benefits of the course immediately and you spread the payment. So, you know, you're you're seeing the benefits of my course and then you're able to pay for it kind of thing. So all of these things are going to help you kind of convince people to buy from you. And a lot of them can be done without you because ultimately we want to be building this so that we're not always reliant on having time-consuming conversations because time is the one thing that's most important in our lives, both professionally and personally, because we can't make more of it, we can't get it back. And if we're not careful, all of our time is going to be monopolized having repetitious you know, conversations about the same old things. So I guess another one might be including an FAQ or recording video answers to typical questions. Next up is we want to increase the number of sales. So this is... Um, the number of times that a client will buy from you. And it depends on what you do, because I know that as somebody who does branding, the chances of them buying more like double branding in a year is highly unrealistic. So we have to work around it. But smaller price products are easier to sell. Coffees, courses, T-shirts, all that kind of stuff. But if you are doing, um, let's say you do photography or you do video, content marketing, you could, you know, you can get people to sort of maybe do a couple more photo shoots if there's a good reason. I mean, I think it would be if it, look if I was approaching this as an example off the top of my head, I might say, well, look, how about you've already shot loads of video with us to promote um, like your hotel, so why don't we do a load of more videos? But these are based around like packages that people can buy for each other. So it's like if I can come up with a new product that you can sell, then you're going to need my photography or videography or design to sell it, whether that's in the content creation, the website design or the Facebook ads or the social media. At some point, I'm going to position myself to convince you to buy from me again. But the reason I can justify that is because I'm giving you a new product idea which you can make money of. So this would be the thing. We want to convince clients sort of to buy from us more often and we need to give them reasons to do that. So as I said, it, depending on the price, it isn't always easy, um, but it's not impossible. And we just need to make sure that the value of what we're proposing outweighs the price of doing it in the eyes of the client. So I generally find that having ideas to use you repeatedly is a really good way of doing it, such as they book you for one thing and then you should probably have what well, I, you know, you could consider these upsells or sort of extended upsells, but maybe you know, you've done, like I said, photography for a website and then photography for social media, then photography for a new product and blah, blah, blah. It can, you can find other ways of selling in what you do for a service that they will need. So that's important. Um, You can also, 
increase the number of you know sales or number of times they buy from you by just making them feel special you know if they trust you and the process then they're going to be a lot more confident buying for you and sometimes it is just that giving them a reason to buy so if we're thinking about as a restaurant there are certainly um, ways that you can convince them to buy from you can give them reasons discounts deals special occasions loyalty cards there's lots of kind of things and reasons that they might want to come back so that's really important about making them feel special making them feel safe making sure that you can be trusted uh, and then you're not going to get taken advantage of and this comes back to sort of under promise over deliver you know whatever you are doing for your clients make sure it's done beautifully everything is sort of very thoughtful very thought out you know and they feel kind of like that you can be trusted and you professional really that that again it's this balance of we want to instill trust in us and then we want to give them opportunities to make money that we can help them do that um, streamlining your service suit to deliver consistently and more reliably is always good um, keeping on to- in contact with your customers is great because um, there's always going to be opportunities to, for you to sell yourself if you know what they're up to or seasonally, you know, they've got stuff they need to be planning for. As always, it's tough depending on what you do and what they do. But generally, if you're keeping in contact and then you're chatting about things, usually being top of mind, it, it's that thing of like, oh, it's funny you called because we might we were thinking of doing this. And if you're available, like, oh, yeah, we've just... We've just refurbished some of the rooms in the hotel. We need new photos done. Or, you know, there's always a way to go in. And although they yeah, look, they could take them on their phone and, and not use you. But like I said, if you've done that bit in the beginning where you've delivered a beautiful customer experience and they really like you and trust you, they know that they can rely on you to deliver something better than they can and they'll often book you. Um, the final way to increase the number of sales is quite simply increase the range of products and services that you offer and let people know about them. So, it might be a case of if I look at branding, it's quite a hefty chunk to do branding. But if I go, well, OK, once you've done branding, um, the smaller things that might come off the back of that, you know, like social media graphics, uh, promotional flyers, uh, uniform signage, advertising. There's lots of like graphics for video. There's lots of kind of other little bits and bobs that I could offer. Uh, and I could even partner with other people to offer them. So like it is like photography, I could partner with a photographer to do like social media content and offer that as a service. The whole point is you've got to create more services that you offer and then let clients know about them because the more they know, then the more likely is they're going to buy. And it's back to the awareness point in, in that we covered earlier. We need to also increase the average price of each of these sales. So when we think about the number of sales we're making in a year, let's say we make uh, you know, what was it? Let's say we make 10 sales a year doing something. We want to get 10% on that. So we want to make 11 the following year. Again, it's a small increment. And then out of those 11 sales, we want to increase the average price that they're paying on each of those sales. So it's fairly straightforward this. The easiest way to do that is just to raise your prices. It generally won't generate much resistance or pushback. Uh, people won't know. They'll probably accept it. I found it depends on how much you're putting it up for. You know, if you're running something smaller, a coffee shop, putting up by 50p is not going to be a big deal. Whereas if you're charging, you know, 20 grand for a branding project and you put it up to 25 grand, then you might. It all depends on whether they're new or current clients. New clients won't know the difference. Current clients might. Um, The key thing with all this is making sure that although the price has gone up, 
the value has gone up even more. So finding ways that you can over deliver on that project to make it better for them, it's going to make a massive difference. So we want to, you know, yes, we want to put our prices up, but this is kind of, it's not just prices, it's the price of the average sale, which takes the pressure off. Because if we offer a range of products and services that are different price points, and we find that the most expensive ones are harder to shift, that's okay. Because if overall, we're shifting the average price up, that also is fine. But the point being is, I would definitely say the first thing you do is you increase your prices. Um, as a rule, Gary Vaynerchuk says, increase your prices by 50% with every new job you get. And then you will hit a ceiling because the market will say, no, that, I'm not paying as much as that. And then you'll know. And then when you do that, you go, right, what do I need to do to charge more? And you do that and then you keep increasing your prices. So I think he's probably right there. He's a very smart man. But the first thing, increase your price. So put your prices up by 10, 20% off the, you know, straight away. And then if you feel that that's maybe not working, add more value. Or you can offer upsells, cross-sells or add-ons. So this thing's, you might be the case of um, you sell one service, a rebrand, and then you upsell photography or social media on top is like, well, look, we're doing this deal. If you buy the branding, it's five grand. For an extra grand, it would normally be two grand, but for an extra £1,000, we're going to do um, your social media marketing and your photography. Okay, that makes sense. You know, so you're, you're what you're doing is you're offering upsells so you can sell more of your services when clients are ready to buy. Or alternatively, you can bundle stuff together and do limited edition bundles. So it might be a case of, um, especially if you're selling digital products like courses or, you know, templates or scripts or, you know, Photoshop files. If you bundle them together and then do a promo, then you might find the people might have bought one or two of those, say, typefaces. But now you've got like an end of year bundle and they're going to go, well, actually, I know I've got two, but this is such good value. I'm going to buy it all again. Those sort of things can work really well because you're getting more money out of those clients. Um, so bundling stuff together. Uh, and making it look like a deal is very very good and the final thing is to offer payment terms so the reason why this again is important is because if you've put your prices up people might not be able to stump up that initial fee but they will do so like if you were saying well i'm was charging 200 pounds to design a t-shirt i've now changed that to 300 pounds to design a t-shirt so people are like wow that's a big jump i can't pay for that but actually, it's £300 to design a T-shirt, but we've got a payment plan where you can pay over six months at £50 a month. Would that be interesting to you? And a lot of them will go, yeah, that's perfect. Because, again, I'm spreading the cost. I'm getting my benefits of the design of my T-shirt up front so that I can sell it, make the money back, pay for the payment for you know payment terms. And therefore, I, as the designer, are getting my £300 just over an extended period. And the client is getting what they want as well. So... Or sometimes by offering payment terms, you're able to kind of take the, the sort of sting out of that higher price. So that's worth doing. Next, we want to increase our profit margin. Um, this is the amount of profit you make on each job, quite simply. You can increase it by two ways. Firstly, you can raise the price. So you go one direction where you're actually charging more and uh, keeping your costs the same. Uh, which is fine. You know, if your profit margin is 50%, so let's say you charge £1,000 for a job, to deliver the job cost you £500, so your profit is £500. If I put that up to £1,100 now and I keep my costs the same, 
I'm now making a margin of £600 on every job. So I've increased my margin by the sort of 10% or whatever it is, or the 20% we were going for. So that's one way of doing it. You push the price up in one direction. The other way is to reduce your costs and try and find some more efficiency. So changing suppliers, using apps, uh, maybe hiring new people, whatever that might be, you can reduce your cost as well. So I could keep my price at £1,000, but maybe reduce my cost from 500 to 400 and I've still got that £600 profit margin. So there's loads of ways of doing it. And ideally, we would do it in both directions, where every year we're reviewing what we're using. We're trying to eliminate any unnecessary costs that are no longer relevant. And we're looking to raise our prices in the opposite direction so that actually... If we increase our price to 1100 we reduce our cost to 400 we've now made that £700 profit by doing both at the same time. And that's the way to look at it. So how do you increase your profit margin? Well, as I've said, you can increase all of your prices across the board. Um, it makes sense. You're going to push it that one way. And certainly if you start to sell higher priced products to more if, if, to more affluent clientele, can't even say it. But the point being is, let's go after a new market of people with more money and offer them higher price services and see if we can sell that to them. That absolutely works as well. That's a good strategy to apply. I would also say stop discounting. That's the first thing. The discounting is easy to sell stuff, but it's going to kill your profit margin. So don't do that as a rule, but increase the efficiency. So if we're going to save costs, we're going to look at things. Okay, how can we do things differently to save money? Um, how can we find cheaper suppliers? Can we maybe uh, renegotiate contracts on rent, things like this, on uh, energy suppliers, uh, internet? Can we get all that done? Could we use apps instead of people to streamline our service? And maybe can we actually outsource what we're doing to cheaper freelancers overseas? It sounds rather brutal when you do it like that, but it's just prudent to review your business and try and work out, okay, what is it that I can be doing to be more cost effective in my business. And if you're doing these kind of tasks and you're actively analyzing it every year, you have the enormous peace of mind of going, well, I'm as efficient as I can be. You know, particularly on the energy thing, when we, you know, when we had the hotel, I was running that and I did it recently because we've converted that to holiday flats. So obviously the bills are still high. Our gas bill for the year was about five thousand pounds. That's heating and cooking. And you're like, okay, but then I went with an energy supplier that brought that down to two and a half thousand pounds, no, three thousand pounds. So I'd saved two thousand pounds a year just by switching. <clears throat> so that was, again, if I tried to increase our profits by two thousand pounds, it would have been a far more laborious task than it would be to just simply switch energy suppliers. And I have to thank Total Energy Solutions for helping me. Um, but by doing that, I saved the money anyway. So that's a great thing. And actually, when I went with the broker, they're constantly reviewing the contracts and I don't really pay them because, I mean, there is a fee, I think, sometimes, but they get their commission from the new energy company that they've signed us up with. So again, having a kind of broker or someone who to, who deals with that and negotiates that for you, that's really beneficial because you're, you know you're always going to be competitively priced across everything from insurance to utilities think about always constantly kind of switching up at least once a year if you can just to get the best deals on the market and stay competitive increasing your services is another way to make more money so you know by offering more products or services you're giving people more chances to buy from you we kind of covered that earlier but also you can go further and sell a range of 
um, products at price points that will appeal to different markets. Everything from a, like a high-end VIP version of what you do to a kind of like a sell-to-many digital version of what you do online. The point being is if you're able to take your products and services and convert them so they can be delivered differently that would appeal to a certain market and still be effective, then you open up a whole range of you know new revenue streams, particularly looking at like I said, the VIP market, sort of, you know, real client experiences, high-end events and things like that, to actually digital products and teaching, you know, whether you do that through courses or building a community where they pay a subscription fee every month, that concept of looking at what you do normally and then repurposing all the kind of, almost like the processes and everything you would do for your clients, but in a digital format, which, you know, is... It's a goldmine. It's effectively, there's a phrase that Jack Butcher uses called selling your sawdust. And that's what you're doing. You're kind of going, all the workflows, templates, scripts, everything I use to run my business, people will pay me for that because they want to emulate what I do. So I can do that. So if you're already using it and you're using it a lot and it works for you, package it, promote it, sell it. And he built, um, his initial empire was building, I think it's called the Daily Manifesto, but it's just like a productivity PDF one page that he uses to stay really productive. And because he'd built an audience around being more efficient and productive, they all bought it. And because he'd made it and it was digital and it was about $8, he was able to sell so much of them that it brought in so much revenue that he was able to then expand into thinking about community and courses. And it totally changed what he did. It all started with doing that. So if you want to increase your services, Think about all the different ways you can change what you do into a new way of doing it. So if it's a physical service, how could you deliver that VIP, you know, digitally and then on a subscription basis and really push yourself to kind of see how you could just tweak or evolve what you offer to have it delivered in a different way to be sold to a different market. So here's a few ways you can actually increase your number of products or services. Um, As I've said, offer new products or services based around what your clients value most. Um, this also is going to be a continually changing thing. So every year, markets are going to throw up new conditions. We've all seen that with the pandemic, where clients need different things. So if there are new things that they need because their customers want something new from their business, that's a great time for you to say, oh, I know that you need this. Like, for example, if you're a restaurant and you can't open because of the pandemic, so you go, well, we want to do delivery and we want to start an online store where people can buy stuff like recipe kits. Fantastic. I'm a photographer. I also do Shopify stores so I can come in, take the photos, set you up online. That's a new service that they will want that you probably weren't selling before, but now they need. That's a great opportunity there. As I said, creating a VIP version of what you do. So that's a high-end experience where people can kind of come and work with you at a nice place, private lunch, select group of people, limited availability, scarcity, all that kind of stuff. Doing a high-end VIP version of what you do is a really good exercise anyway. Plus, if you know that it's going to work really well and you've got a market who'll pay for it, that can be extremely lucrative. You can turn your products or services into tiered packages. Again, you're going to increase the likelihood of a sale if you've got it at different price points, kind of gold, silver, bronze. All you're doing is taking your existing package, which would be, let's say, that's silver. For the gold option, you're just adding to it to make it more comprehensive, adding more value. 
for the bronze option, you're just reducing the scope of the deliverables and reducing the price. So it's more like kind of nuts and bolts version. But again, by doing that, you're giving people the chance to buy from you in more ways. And especially this works beautifully for digital products because they can buy it without having to talk to you and you can be generating sales. And that is my next point, which is create digital versions of what you do. Um, this would expand onto selling any scripts, templates, workflows, or processes that you use in your work so they can emulate what you do. You know, it's the whole selling your sawdust approach where actually, you know, I am doing this all the time in my meetings. I have a, like a best practice that I follow. Other people would love to learn from that, so I'm going to package it so they can buy it off me. It doesn't affect me because I'll still keep using it, but actually I'm still making, now I'm making money on something which is tried and tested, which is really great. You can also offer courses that teach what you do. Really, really lucrative. We've all seen how education, particularly digital education, has exploded recently, so that's always important. And that's usually based around questions you're getting asked continually about a certain thing and finally consider offering subscription memberships where you're selling all of what i've listed above and a kind of regular community thing that's all being offered for a monthly fee one of the best systems i've seen doing this is jasmine star with social curator where every month she produces 30 captions pre-written and for photos because she's a photographer to her audience that they can use on social media. They just edit and update the captions to fit their business and therefore they can schedule and plan a month's worth of content in a couple of hours. She does all the heavy lifting, but she now sells that for about $30 to $50 a month to, I think, six to 7,000 members. So she makes millions of dollars a year doing it, but the workload stays the same. So I'm deeply impressed by that. So that's great. Um, so yeah, all of those are going to be ways that you can offer more services, both physically and digitally, and all of that is going to bring in money. Next up is to increase your number of referrals. So as I sort of alluded to before, referrals are a great way of getting in business. Um, and often they, you know, I've heard a lot of people say they're the lifeblood of a business because the person being referred to you doesn't need converting in any way. They're kind of already sold in by the person referring them. And it's really, really important um, to be asking for these regularly because, you know, if we don't ask, we don't get. And like I said, this is easy sales. Now, the way to do good referrals, it's a couple of things. Firstly, you need to educate people who are doing the referring on the type of clients you're looking to work with. They need to know like who you want to work with and then how you help that client. If I work with restaurant owners to help them get more customers, like, you know, at quiet times, that's the key thing. That's what I offer. So they might say, well, I'm busy at the weekends, but I'm dead in the week. So I'll get you booked out during the week. That's our strategy. If someone who wants to refer me meets a tennis coach, that's no good to me because I don't want to work with tennis coaches. I can't help tennis coaches. So although I appreciate the referral, it's not really going to help either me or the tennis coach. So you educate the people doing the referring onto the type of clients you're looking for. First of all, restaurant owners how you help them, well, I help them get busy, and what you do, which is, let's say, that's Facebook ads. If that's my pitch, oh, meet Thad, he helps restaurants get booked out with Facebook ads, sort of thing, 
as long as they understand enough of it, whenever they meet someone who is either a restaurant owner, works in a restaurant, or someone who needs Facebook ads, they should pretty much refer you. And they'll refer you in a way that's actually valuable for both you and the person being referred, which means that when you meet them and they reach out to you, it's a really easy conversation because you both benefit from being introduced to each other. And like I said, it's always good to be asking them. So the first thing is educate them on what you're looking for and then be asking regularly for referrals. The best time is always at the end of a project when it's going really well, they're in a good mood, you've delivered great work and they're like, look, do you know anyone who could also deal with, um, you know, not deal, sorry, do you know anyone who could also um, benefit from working with me just as you have and they'll have loads of people because they'll be on a high. So if that's not always the case, then the best thing to do is is send out a regular email to people, not the same people. Obviously, we want to be a bit more strategic and we want to make sure that we're hitting everyone. Like, let's say we have a list of 20 people who we want referrals from. We want to be hitting one person a day for an entire month. So that's everyone sorted. And if we do that, we're going to be getting lots of referrals. Typically, um, you're going to use some sort of a script like this. Hi, it's been a while since we worked together. Um, I hope everything is going well with you and your team. I know I've asked before, but is there anyone you can introduce me to who might be interested in our insert product or service? I'd hate for them to miss out if they're experiencing the same pain point you are. Thanks a lot. Once they've done that, that's a very easy referral. It's not a problem. You can even include what you're looking for and who you're looking for. But the point being is once that's done, it makes it super easy. And then, of course, you want to follow up and say, Thank you for referring me. It means so much that you were happy enough to, with the work that we did together to share my name with someone who you want to see succeed. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to help them. If I can be any service at any point, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd be thrilled to work together again. Done. And that's a very simple formulaic strategy where you're asking for referrals, you're getting them and then thanking the person that does them. And that's enormous because if we're doing that regularly, we're going to get in all these inquiries, all these sales, all this stuff. It's all going to happen. So that's massive. And so that is my long-winded, but I think quite hopefully quite helpful breakdown of how to make more money in your business. To sum up, um, small changes make a huge difference. And it is this thing of when you're combining everything together, you that's when you'll get the impact. And the great thing about doing a strategy like this is it's not big. You don't, you don't have to kind of be that disruptive or that feel awkward about doing it. It's simply just being objective, being strategic and following up with people and increasing prices and being a bit more efficient in how you do business. Brilliant. Sorry, and a postman come to the door, so I'm going to do that end bit at the end again. Sorry. <clears throat> so to sum up, I hope you found all these tips helpful. Uh, I know it can be overwhelming to kind of work your way through all this, um, but genuinely, I found that the benefit of doing something like this is if you just have that professional mindset of keeping an eye on your business and always adjusting to make sure that you are the most kind of efficient and cost effective and profitable that you can be. And this is so much easier than um, allowing sort of that scarcity mindset to creep in or most people think that the easy thing is just to put your rates up and it and look it helps but 
it's not easy if you put your rates up and you don't change really what you do you will naturally get pushback from clients you know you how would you feel if you went to a restaurant and they'd put their prices up but nothing had changed you'd be a bit fed up and you probably wouldn't go back so what we for fuck's sake now the dogs it's fucking bullshit this right next as i was saying i tend to think that most people think the solution to making more money is just to put their rates up, which is true. But the problem is if we put our rates up and we don't change anything in our business, we are going to get pushback from clients and nobody wants that. It's uncomfortable all round. And this is where the hesitancy comes in. If you do this approach, you will become a better business because you are looking at everything across the board. You're looking to be more efficient with your costs. You're looking to be more profitable you're looking to improve what you offer. Everything is going to make a massive difference to you. And if you do all of that combined, it, you're going to get less pushback when it comes to putting up your rates. It's that simple. You don't need to put them up massively so people aren't going to kind of know what's going on and there's not going to be a problem, which is great. But even if you do and you want to put them up massively, then that's great as well. The point being is I found that if you employ these strategies and you make these incremental changes, it will have a massive fundamental effect on your business, the success of your business, the profitability of your business, and ultimately your mental state, because you'll be much more reassured, you'll feel a lot more confident, and you'll be happy in doing what you do. And that bleeds into everything you do, both at work and at home. So as they say, and as John McCarthy would say, know your numbers, because what gets measured gets managed. I had a fear of numbers for a long time. I really hated it. When I got emails from my accountant, it would just give me the fear. I hated it. So, um, But that was just me being stupid. It was a case of I just didn't know what was needed and I needed to change things. So it's important that we overcome that fear of numbers and we get more relaxed. Um, and once you've done that and you realise that all you're trying to do is be objective in your business, everything gets easier. You get less stressed and your self-esteem grows and these principles they've worked for me across every business I've ran and I've ran well my obviously my agency a hotel a restaurant and a salon and it's the same across everything whatever you're doing um, if you do what we've what I've just outlined there it will make a massive difference they're incremental changes so just start small you know apply the principles work on marginal gains like work on just 10% across the board and watch what that does to your finances. It will blow your mind, I promise you. But as always, if you get stuck or you have any questions, please reach out to me. It's thad at thaducation.com. Join the Facebook group. Share this podcast if you found it valuable. And like I said, best of luck. I have complete confidence that this will make a massive difference in your business. And I'm super excited to hear how you get on. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.